Hey, agency owners, it's time for a new episode of the Agency Blueprint, the number one podcast for agency owners looking to discover strategies for scaling an agency to seven figures and beyond, or reducing stress and getting your personal life back. I'm your host, Robert Patton, international bestselling author, agency scale partner, and founder of Creative Agency Success. Before we get started today, I'd like to send you a copy of our brand new book, The Practical Agency, written specifically to help creative agency owners go beyond the creative side and build systems to simplify and quickly scale their agency to $100,000 a month. Go to creativeagencysuccess.com forward slash practical agency to claim your free copy. And now for the show. Hey everyone, today we have Claire Hutchings joining us. Claire is on a mission to solve the challenges all agencies face, their own marketing. She has 15 years marketing experience spanning boutique independence to global networked agencies like Publicis Group, Hotwire, and Fleischmann Hillard. Claire has a passion for content, bringing bridging strategy and delivery, seamlessly bringing her extensive agency knowledge to all of Time Agency's clients. Thanks so much for joining us today, Claire. Hi, thank you for having me. So, you know, we're here to chat about pretty much all things lead generation for agencies. But the thing that like I wanted to start with here is I believe that so many agencies are really thinking, you know, what is the next tactic that I need to be doing? Like what what is the next new shiny thing I should be doing? And what I ultimately find is that the best lead gen strategy for every single one is one ultimately that you implement fully and that you do consistently. Would you kind of agree with that? And do you see the same things? Yeah, absolutely. We're quite often asked, what's the silver bullet? What can we do? If we only did one thing, what could we do? And it's definitely being able to kind of structure your marketing and your lead gen so that it can be really, really consistent. And also, uh, the other thing we talk about a lot is practicing what you preach. So if you're PR and comms agency, making sure that you're doing your own and and coverage, getting own coverage for yourselves. And I think we see a lot of that is missed within agencies as well. So it's a kind of a double whammy of practicing what you preach and doing it really well often. I definitely agree with making sure that you're practicing what you preach, because if you can't do what you're selling to us well for yourself, what faith do we have that you can do it for us? And, you know, what I have found, at least myself in my own lead gen and see consistently with clients is that for me, it took me a lot of time like to be able to build. So I had like a base foundation of like base kind of lead gen strategy that was enough to sustain things for a while. But I spent in order for me to really be able to grow in a, in a meaningful way, I had to spend a lot of time building my lead gen strategies, refining every single little component and focusing on those components to allow for it to really maximize the benefit of it. And so I spent probably a solid year spending on just one marketing channel and making sure that that was fully refined and which I imagine, and I'm putting a hypothesis of myself and then before I kind of ask you the question, but at least for me, there was definitely many times where I questioned, like, should I give this up? Is this going to work? Do I want to be doing this? And I say to clients all the time, like every, pretty much every single lead gen strategy does work, but you have to spend the time to do it. I'm curious to hear in your experience, why do you think that consistency is so difficult to establish for agencies? Like, what do you think that is the primary both mindset barrier, business barrier, time barrier that agencies are facing? Yeah, I think one of the biggest is the way that we win new business is a bit mad. There's not many other industries where you have the long pitch consultancy phase before you've even won a piece of work. And 
as soon as a big new pitch lands, any work that was being done on your internal marketing or your comms or your positioning, it kind of all gets paused so that you can chase the revenue. And it's the same when when a client asks us to jump and we just say how high, it's really, really hard for us to ring fence time within our businesses to be able to be consistent on our marketing. It's the first thing that drops off the list. And it's just kind of necessarily, I think, to do with the kind of the roller coaster that and beast that is new business and, and how we operate and function with our clients. Our margins are kind of weird in agencies as well in comparison to other businesses. We don't have as much to play with often unless you're a much more established business or you've got a very efficient, really efficient process. It means we just don't have as much to play with as other as other industries. So that kind of combined is where I think it really stems from. There's a few people I've spoken to that think that maybe there's kind of like a bit of a weird imposter syndrome with agency founders as well, where it's like they're really great at doing it for their clients. And then when it comes to them, there's like this weird thing. But I'm not sure it's that. I think it's much more to do with the structure of our businesses and how we win new work. I do kind of question actually, because the the imposter syndrome piece a little bit, I may challenge you a little there. The thing that I see with the imposter syndrome component is less about it being actually about it so much as the imposter of them doing their own work for themselves. I actually see it as more a fear of what if they're not successful doing it for themselves. And then that means they're just kind of really bad. So they're like, it, it ends up becoming like this confirmation bias situation. It's like, oh, I'm not good at this thing for myself. Or if I do this, then I'm not going to be out there enough. I'm not going to accomplish my goals. I'm not good enough to be able to do so. And then they're like, ha, see, that didn't really work. I tried it once and it didn't really work. So obviously I'm shit at this. And then it kind of ends up like getting them in this like cyclical loop. I'm a little cautious in going down too much of a rabbit hole on one of the things that you said but this whole like concept of jumping and how high, oh man, that is such a huge component that like hits so many pieces of the business from lead gen to new biz to client ops to your own life. I mean, it's such a big component of this industry that I think actually just kind of sucks the soul out of so many people in the industry. And there's, I, I mean, I've spoken to so many people that were employees at agencies and like, I just never again because of this exact thing this like fear we're going to lose the client we have to do exactly what they want and we're just kind of always back-footed and i mean i don't think that we need to be that way but curious on your experience there yeah it's funny when you look at um professional services firms which ha have probably the most similar business model or kind of uh selling time they sell their time they don't they don't have they don't do it in the same way that the agencies do um if they work on a project they bill for it and are really clear and communicate it really well and there's something about creative industry and creative agencies where we don't do that in the same way perhaps we all want to be people pleasers perhaps it's out of fear but yeah it seems quite unique to our industry one of the things that i i talk about quite a lot is you know, the whole starving artist mentality is, is a thing because it's a stereotype because it's largely true in a lot of instances. And I, and I wonder how much of that is like this idea that as a creative, and I know that society, unfortunately, has kind of put creativity on like the bottom of the totem pole as far as like um, something to cherish and appreciate. While I adamantly disagree with that position, I mean, being married to a creative and a fine artist and trying to be a creative myself didn't really work out so well for me. I'm just not that person. Really wanted to though. And uh, I think that first the industry and the creative themselves has to learn to appreciate 
their value first for anyone else to appreciate it, which I think is kind of the the cornerstone of this, which is kind of, again, going back to the imposter syndrome <laughs> conversation again, I suppose. But let's get back to uh, lead gen. What would you say is like the thing that agencies really need to consider in order to be able to achieve consistency? Because consistency is so incredibly important when it comes to marketing. What would your advice be to someone that is hasn't been consistent and how to achieve some consistency? So for me, there are three things that agencies need to think about to gain consistency across their marketing. Firstly, is how they resource their marketing, the people and the team that they have and the shape of that, whether it's making marketing and lead gen everyone's business across the agency or an add-on to at least a core few within your agency, whether you have someone or a team that is dedicated within your agency to to be the marketing manager, head of marketing, or whether you, you use outsource support and freelancers, copywriters bring in the specialist skills. They're kind of the three general ways that I see agencies can resource their marketing and being intentional about that from the beginning is really important but to whoever you've got whoever you've got resourcing um resourcing your your marketing you need to really set defined goals a strategy and tactics so that then they can just get on and do it and it's um slightly less your problem as a founder or a leader of an agency because that's what I also see a lot is that the leader then becomes a bit of a blocker sometimes to the marketing because they're they're busy doing whatever it is they're doing. If there's an internal marketing function, they report straight into, into the leader um, and that can be an issue. But if you've got the direction set up really well to begin with, it will allow them to get cracking and get going. But setting a budget, that's the second one, like actually setting a budget up front and being clear about how much money you want to invest in your marketing or able to invest in your marketing each year will allow whoever it is that's resourcing it and doing the delivery of it to actually get going and do the doing. And a lot of the time I see agency leadership teams not being transparent and open and not actually having a clue, working with their finance teams to set a budget at the beginning of the year that it should be spent for growth. So that's the second one. And the third one, the third thing that we try and talk about a lot with our clients is to try, and it's kind of leans into what you were chatting about, about doing one channel really well. But what we talk about is having one singular hero moment, one singular campaign, one big moment, which all of your marketing then kind of hangs off on. Because by having that one focus, it means everyone in your team can be focused around the same thing. There's consistency in how you're talking there's one moment which can fuel your top of funnel awareness all the way through to the pointy end of the conversion part of your sales funnel. So they're the three things, as succinctly as I can put them. <laughs> yes, those are quite a lot of things. I want to kind of take one at a time here. So budget, I definitely want to hit on quite a lot. I mean, being the finance person that I am, that definitely is a hot button for me. But one of the things that's really important, and I talk with clients all the time, and we were talking about earlier as well, is the time associated with it, right, is that you've got a new business pitch, or you've got a client demand, you've got this other thing that's coming up, and then marketing kind of falls by the wayside. The people component in making sure that you have either a dedicated team, you outsource it. And one of the things that, that comes up, and then this is going to kind of have a bridge with budget, but one of the things that comes up loads is what is actually the most beneficial thing that you should be doing right now within the agency? Like, what is the most value that you can actually be providing for yourself for future growth, future sustainability? Like, there's obvious different kind of tranches and stages and sizes of agency. If you're a one-man or one-woman shop, there's obvious kind of differences between that and a 50-person agency or a 300-person agency, right? Like, it's still 
So what resources do you actually have available? But what is the real, true, beneficial thing that you can be doing? Far too often I see the smaller size, more boutique agencies, the owners holding on to way too many things, marketing included. And I'm here to tell you, give some of it up. And it may not be marketing. It may not be BD. It probably shouldn't be BD. If you're a boutique agency, you should probably be the primary salesperson 99.99% of the time. And a lot of times it's very administrative stuff and client communication stuff. Like there's things that you, quite frankly, are too expensive for and you need to start removing them and making sure that you do have someone that's going to consistently do it like and that won't be distracted. There's like this duality thing that I see happen quite a lot of like, I'm going to hire this like universal person that's going to do lead gen and then they're going to do sales and then they're going to do ops. And then they're gonna do, and it's like, well, they're going to be an office manager or a VA and we'll tag it on. Or you might just have someone within a team who's shown a bit of an interest in it. Yeah, or there might be someone who's kind of a cultural linchpin within the agency. And so it kind of makes sense for them to do it because they can talk about the culture of the agency. And when it's tagged on to one person's job, again, the other stuff gets in the way. <laughs> exactly. And then you've got the situation where it's like, oh, well, you know, I had this other thing that became a higher priority. And like they end up in the exact same place that you did. And so then consistency. The other thing that that I think is really important that you're talking about is like making sure that you have a strategy, the goals and all of that. One thing that I wanted to add to that that I think is incredibly important is predefine a timeline to get to those goals. What does that actually look like? And make sure that they're realistic in the first place, right? Like you're not going to go from no marketing activity to 25 leads, qualified leads a week on your calendar, right? Like that's just not going to happen. And you need to make sure that you have an appropriate timeline to reach your both minimum and then ideal goals and allow for those to actually be the benchmarks of the decision-making of whether you continue doing it or not. There's a whole lot of fear-based decision-making that happens, especially when it comes to lead gen, of is this working or not? And then you like quickly change what it is that you're doing and you never gave yourself the opportunity to have success. What are your thoughts around that? And have you seen the same? Yeah, definitely. I see a lot of agencies jump to the bottom of the funnel and jump to lead gen and prospecting without there being any sort of awareness in their particular sector niche, industry niche, or, or you know wherever it is they're operating. If they're not well known, if they've not got the case studies often to, to go after those people, if they've not got the, the content to be able to talk to them about the challenges in their sector or within their businesses, it's going to be really hard to just jump to sales. And that bit of going from awareness at top of funnel all the way down to okay, we've now got leads that we can attribute to the marketing that we did. That usually, I, I would say, like in my experience, will take at least six months. So starting your marketing now will help you for Q2, Q1, Q2 next year. It's not going to deliver anything this this side of Christmas, depending on when, we're, when, this, is, when this airs. So yeah, being really realistic is really important and understanding that you need the awareness part before you jump to the bottom of the funnel. I think where a lot of it's derived from is particularly smaller, less established agencies. They will have grown organically over a period of time from the founders network and the, the you know, the founders who they know. And it's a lot of word of mouth uh, referrals, which is great. And that will always be part of your growth strategy. But as you scale and grow, the founder can't scale and grow their network with it. And so necessarily the agency's brand has to pick up the slack and has to start generating leads in and of its own right. But it's that bit that you were saying earlier about it often being stuck, marketing being stuck with the founder or the leadership team. And I think that's probably where it comes from. And so 
delegating it out to someone else in the team will start to build value in your business, particularly if you've got an eye on an exit at some point, or you know that you want to scale beyond sort of 20, 30 people, you can't scale yourself to be able to do that. So you have to build the value in your agency. And also, I mean, this is a massive generalization, but a lot of agency founders are typically fairly introverted. They're not really extroverted people. So there's only so many people that you know and have in your network and relationship in the first place, right? So if you're going to be completely reliant on your network, it becomes definitely a massive hinge point for you and it will be a hinge point for you. I just think it's so incredibly important that we recognize those like kind of distinctions of where we ultimately need to be and like how we can actually be investing appropriately into our future and making sure that we're being really objective, really, in our decision making. Speaking of objectivity, what about budget? Obviously, one man, one woman shop is going to be different than a hundred person agency. But like, what would you say is going to be the thinking and what would your advice be around setting a budget aside? Yeah, so budget wise, and it is a big generalization because different agencies are different. There are some agencies that will have big pass through pass through costs, production costs, media costs. So um, it can be tricky but we generally say three to five percent of turnover ten percent if you're including people cost in it for your marketing budget as a starting point however there's going to be moments in your agency's lifetime where you're going to need to invest for growth in particular things so it may be that you need to do a website project because your website your current website your current branding has run its course and so you know that you need to have an investment period in that which I would always try and sit outside of your regular marketing budget because you're not going to repeat that every year. But yeah, generally speaking, we talk about three to five percent of turnover, 10 percent, including people cost as a rule of thumb. And for some agencies, it will be different. But that's where we kind of sit. I will echo what you're saying here. And especially I love that you put the asterisks on it depends on what your service vertical is. Like I'm always talking about agency service revenue, right? So if you're a production agency, it's total cost of production minus the production cost, their revenue minus the production cost. Like that's the actual revenue that we are talking about here. Like that's, if you're a media oriented agency, it's total billings minus the media cost. Like I just want to know the service revenue. And then that's where you're going to factor the percentage of marketing spend. I would say that between 90 and 95% of agency financials that I first, when I first start working with them and I look at them, I see less than half a percent being spent in marketing. It is so incredibly fraught in this industry where no one is investing here and it's like well i'm not growing and i only am based on referrals it's like well, and i just point to a line item it's like well yeah you didn't spend anything here gonna have to if you expect to have and it's funny because whenever <laughs> i speak to agency fds cfos they always are like we want to spend the money there's we put a budget line in for a reason like we want to spend the money and there's i think there's always been this uh maybe a, a historical thing that their fds don't want to spend money on on marketing and i don't i don't think it's true from the ones that i speak with everyone re- like understands that good marketing will bring growth and should be invested in i also kind of want to hit something and people you may not love this and i think that listeners are not going to love this but when it comes to marketing as well know that some of it is just going to be thrown in a trash can and burnt. Like some of it's not going to work and that's okay. That's absolutely okay. And be prepared for that. Just accept it now. You didn't fail. It's just as part of the journey. It's a learning lesson. Totally. What works for one agency isn't going to work for another agency because your audiences are different. Your services are different. How you operate is different. And that's why it's beautiful and why we're all in business. But it's about 
iterating and evolving and tracking and measuring what it is you're doing, measuring the activity. But you've got to be clear from the outset of what you want to achieve, build a plan around it, you measure it. And if it doesn't work, you change tack and you course correct. So checking in every quarter, we check in quarterly with our clients. Obviously, there's monthly kind of reporting, but we check in quarterly to make sure that the strategy is working. And if it's not, we course correct. That's marketing. It isn't an exact science. There isn't a silver bullet. We we try, we go again. This is on something like really kind of true to my opinion of the industry by and large. You can't just go and grab what someone else did and expect to have the exact same results. Like for them, it was part luck and the planets aligned just ever so perfectly that allowed for that exact thing to work in the way that it did for them to have that result. And sure, you could follow exactly what they did, then you may get 80-85% of the result that they had. It needs to really actually be more centered around what you want. And personally, and this is my own personal opinion injected in here, but I don't want to build a business that's someone else's life. Like I want to build a business that is meant for my life. And so looking at what other person is doing to like influence every decision that I'm making from how I'm building my business is just the wrong way to go about it in the first place. But hard truths maybe. Yeah, I think it's about being really authentic to you and your business. And so we we did a big research project a few months ago uh, where we scored 100 agencies. We looked at their positioning, website, content, that of their the content of their founders, their strategy. And we've got a big research report. But one of the biggest things that we found out of that was that 74% of agencies we surveyed didn't have very good positioning. But those that did had 40% better scores across the rest of their marketing. So if you nail that bit at the front end and you understand who you are, what you want to achieve, what your business does and why it does it, it makes the rest of your marketing so much easier. And there's again, there's something for your whole team, whoever's resourcing it to really focus on. So I th- yeah, I think it comes back to that beginning bit of having the strategy, having the plan, and then everything else kind of falls into place and you could be really authentic and really intentional. I think we're about to start recording a second podcast episode with this line of talk at the moment, but I absolutely agree. Like just so incredibly, I could not agree more with what you're talking about here. And I I say this all the time. I mean, I I challenge most of my clients when they first start of like, I want you to actually take your website. I want you to take your top 10 competitors. I want you to take the, the copy, just copy and paste it onto a Google doc or whatever. And I want you to tell me how distinctly different are you? You're, you're not. You sound exactly the same. And the vast majority of the reason why is that when you started your quote unquote positioning, you looked at everyone around you rather than actually looked inward and did the hard work to figure out exactly what I just find it so counter to. I'm going to find my differentiator by looking at every other person around me. It's like, how do you find out your differentiator by looking at other people? It doesn't make any sense and it's not authentic. It's not real. Like the aspirational agencies, that the agencies that are winning the work that you want to be winning or that working with the sorts of clients that you want to work with. So looking kind of to the next level up rather than just looking in the competitive set that you're in now. Yeah, 100%. So Claire, I know that you're offering your benchmark report that you were just talking about a moment ago to listeners. Can you tell me a little bit more about what's in that report and where they could find it? Yeah, sure. So we, um, when we run strategy projects, we do an analysis, a competitor analysis, and then this aspirational kind of competitor analysis. analysis. And what we ended up realizing was that actually we must have quite a lot of data now because we've got kind of got this scoring matrix. 
So we put 100 agencies through our matrix and scored them so that we've got benchmarking data and we can cut it by agency size and agency specialism. And there's a load of really, really great, interesting stuff in there like around how positioning really helps the rest of your marketing, but you can cut it. There's pages in there for depending on what type of agency you are. If you're a design and branding agency, uh, the things that you guys should be focusing on more than a PR and comms agency or an events and experiential agency and also dependent on size. And yeah, it's been really great. And what's been really interesting is that we are trying to practice what we preach as an agency. So we have you, we have been using um, our research report to try and help us be our own best case study to kind of close the loop on everything we're trying to help agencies do. And um, yeah, when you've got this big hero moment, which the research report is for us, we are able to attribute ROI and revenue to it. And so, yeah, we have money in our pipeline. We have money in our pockets now, which we know has been generated because of the research that we've done. So a nice kind of tidy way of uh, linking it all back up to show that this stuff does work when you're really intentional. Awesome. Make sure to check out that report, everyone. And Claire, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Once again, thank you so much for carving out the time to hear what was shared on today's podcast. Now, chances are, if you're an agency owner listening to this podcast right now, then you may be feeling like this. Because I was finding myself constantly overworked within our business, um, constantly like too busy with fulfillment or too busy with uh, customer service needs. So I didn't have the time to go think about how am I going to close this person or what I'm going to say to this person or what am I going to do with this or what's the next strategy I need to do. Now, of course, this podcast is here to help you with a lot of things. But at one episode per week, it's going to take a while for us to share everything you need specifically for your situation. So if you're really serious about committing to fixing the problems in your agency now so you can build a truly profitable business and get your life back, then I want to invite you to apply for the Agency Accelerator Program. I'm not so stressed during calls thinking, oh my gosh, I got, I got to sell, I got to sell, I got to sell because if I don't sell, I don't make our I don't make our numbers, you know, and if I don't make our numbers, I can't pay our people. If I can't pay our people, then our business is down. This program is designed to help creative agency owners get to 1 million in revenue per year in 12 months or less. I char- typically charge one client a $3,000, anywhere from 2000 to 3000 Now I'm uh, moving towards only 5000 and up. And my latest client that I closed is a $10,000 client on a monthly retainer. We only accept about 20% of the agencies that apply to this program because we want to make sure that we only work with people who will commit the time, energy, and resources required to take what they learn in the program and use it to create an agency of their dreams. You've taught me and you've taught us how to build this within our company that if X happens, this happens. Boom, 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 boom. Like it's so systematic that it's going to work for itself. That has given me the sense of like, oh, I know what the heck I'm talking about. I know what I'm good at. I know that I can deliver upon what I want to deliver. And yeah, I gained hell of a lot of confidence for sure. So if that's you, then I want to invite you to apply today. Just hit the link in the show notes to apply for the Agency Accelerator Program or go to creativeagencysuccess.com forward slash apply. Thanks. And I'll see you inside the program. Mm -hmm.